the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode 236. I'm Paul Spain. I'm Michelle Dickinson. And I'm Ross McDougall. Great to have you both here. Thank you very much for joining the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Let's jump straight in. Now, first up, a little little interesting item, not a, not a big one, but I just, was curious that smartphones are now starting to come out with flashes on the front for those selfie pictures. Do you really need what a flash it? on the front of your Why camera? Why has it taken so long? The number of times you're in a dark bar and you're drunk with your friends and you just want to get a good selfie and you want to make sure your hair looks good. You need that front flash. I'm surprised yeah. that it's taken so long. I mean, the writing was on the wall. The, the G3 has a selfie component where the screen goes white just before it takes the photo for that very purpose. And I know Lenovo has created a, a peripheral that you plug into your phone. It's actually basically a big light bulb. So the fact, yeah, it's, it, was, it was on the wall for a while, I think. Okay. I mean, they've been putting bigger and better cameras in now for a little while can't recall having ever really get, got caught in that position where I needed a flash on the front, but obviously I'm in the, mild, the minority <laughs> here, the so hey, there we go. There are, there are ones now that are matching the megapixel for both front and back, so I think once we start seeing the LEDs on the back, we'll start seeing the same camera. The fact that Kim Kardashian well. can sell a whole book on selfies about her shows how important selfies are to people. Yeah, that is true. So um, <laughs> yeah, we, we heard this because... Samsung launching in China the uh, Galaxy J5 and J7 that are selfie phones with the front flashes. So that's where that came from. Yeah, but it's only in China. What's wrong with the rest of us? Do the rest of us not take as good selfies or we don't need the light? Or I was surprised that it was like a Chinese-only edition. Well, we shall I'm wait sh- with bated breath. I'm okay. sure if it's launched there, it's going to launch somewhere else soon. So I can you start don't using ha- my little torch on the side now with my front-facing camera. So the question is, is there going to be an iPhone with a front face, forward-facing flash on it anytime soon? That would be soon? nice. That would be nice because, I mean, in the 6, they really changed the sort of quality of the front-facing lens for dark pictures, but it still doesn't. It's still very pixelated in dim light, so I would like to see that. Yeah, so secretly I have a little torch on my keyring, and that's what I use, but it would be nice if it was in, in there. It goes that's back to battery life, idea. though. <laughs> Not just a pretty that. face. No. <laughs> so um, battery life, you know, and it's a little LED flash that they've got on this one, but you do start consuming battery life and then trying not to put more battery sucking tech in there i think so okay now on to what happened last week now we didn't delve into it at all on last week's podcast because ross we really wanted to get you in here to talk about e3 being yeah the big gamer that you are yeah you're you're a bit of an addict when it comes to gaming i've got to say yeah it's a very cool week for me so (laughs) let's run through the the highlights from E3, starting with, what are we talking about, HoloLens? Yeah, the HoloLens experience was pretty awesome. They, they featured it on the Xbox E3 briefing, and specifically for Minecraft. And it's one of those things that you really have to find it on YouTube and have a look to really understand what was actually going on. It was They had someone playing Minecraft on a Surface tablet, and they had someone using the HoloLens projecting a screen on their wall, who were both in the same game. So you had the cross-platform gaming. And then, once you got the concept, yeah, 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 you're putting a TV on the wall, that's great, what have you. He then turned to what was essentially a coffee table and then just through voice command pushed the Minecraft map onto the coffee table and it built from the ground up and then pushed up. It was amazing. The whole, like, I watched the live feed and everyone just exploded. It was, it was a really cool thing to see. Yeah, there were two things that I thought were cool about it. Microsoft had done this with HoloLens, I guess, from the get-go. It's just the way they're able to demo HoloLens yeah. so that even though you don't have one, 
you can get to it sort of you know you can get to understand what it's all about with this sort of third person view that they're able to share which i think it's cool, but yeah, the, actually what they demonstrated in terms of the game was really cool, as you say, yeah, sort of coming up out of the, it out was of the cool. table. And it was interesting. It was, it was a game completely out of left field in terms of, you know, it wasn't it was a surprise. And it was the first time we'd actually seen a game being used. And what I thought was quite smart initially, the HoloLens, when it came, you know, when they introduced it, it was a tool. And it performed a function, you put it on, you did your function, you took it off. You didn't have that glass hole effect that uh, Google Glass perpetrated in terms of always on, always functional. So this was the first time seeing it applied for gaming. And yeah, the response they got, and again, obviously at a gaming conference was, was huge. Well, it was great to watch in real time as well. The Minecraft has got a, got a convention coming up in a few weeks where they hinted that they'll be showing some more stuff. And uh, they didn't show it too much on the, on the briefing, but they had another HoloLens demonstration for the uh, Halo 5 game where people had to, walked into a briefing room before they went in to play the game and it brought up a pre-mission briefing hologram in the middle of a table that was going through all of the details. It was very Star Wars and it looked it looked pretty cool. So yeah. I think cool. what blows our mind about HoloLens is we're only just getting used to VR, right? And now we're in AR and I think people just are only getting used to let's live in this virtual reality and then how do you augment that reality? I think, you know, the demo they did in Minecraft is just fascinating how we've gone so quickly through a tech, haven't really, you know, got to that point where anybody really has experienced it yet and now we're moving on to the next one and i think it's cool that we sort of jumped a stage yeah it'll be i'm really really curious to see what markets do well with vr and ar because they are Mm. two completely different experiences Mm. in terms of full immersion versus just but but there's quite a crossover really when the technology between the virtual reality and the augmented reality and we've just been playing with samsung's new gear vr and this is the one for the galaxy s6 Mm -hmm. and it's not streets ahead is it michelle we were sort of comparing it to when when we first tried out the so i tried uh, it out on the note for probably about 12 months ago and you know it's got a few i swam with some fishes and did some stuff but not blow your mind not like you know playing on the oculus and not like what we've seen with the demos from hololens it's worlds apart yeah the oculus has the added benefit of positional head tracking uh with the peripheral camera which helps immensely with the immersion factor in terms of being able to manipulate and look around items unless once you've tried both that that added element really immerses you into an environment just yeah comparing it to the dk2 the resolution on the the gear vr was great and it was definitely smooth which is you know it was really smooth i mean just putting it on it was like ah this is really you know it is really good Mm. but there's obviously some steps to go there are some steps but we did all get lost in a virtual world and didn't talk to anybody while we were playing (laughs) so you know it's quite convincing Yeah. yeah yeah definitely it's i think the gear vr is a great tool to showcase case and it's, it's portable it's definitely portable you're not it's not bundled down with wires and what have you i think the the oculus dk2 you've got the hdmi plus usb plus two additional cables that are going to the camera it's when i demo it to friends and family it takes a wee bit to get someone comfortable with to crack into it so that you just chuck it on and you're good to go yeah it's pretty snappy and you know i mean i guess both of them aren't expensive in terms of devices so it's not too hard to get on board if, no. you, if you want to give it a go yeah. um, i mean early adopters of that field would 
you know, that it's a really low entry model, especially two hundred and ninety nine dollars is what I think Noel Lemuring are exclusive with the Kia VR at the moment. Of course, you've got to have your S six as well, but hey, but I see it as a commuter reasonable. game. You know, I mean, I used to commute a lot when I lived in the US and sit on the train for an hour, and I wouldn't, you know, I'd throw one of these in my bag and spend the hour playing a game, and it's really practical. I probably wouldn't take an Oculus on the train with me, so I think it has a market that you know is it fits that sort of need, and it's at that price point. Mm. Interesting that it's not in in retailers; they're doing it exclusively online at this stage mm. okay i guess they're targeting them more enthusiasts who'll find out about it and find that's the yeah. way to get it in new zealand well it's more. been built as the innovator edition so i, I think yeah it's definitely that if you, if you if you wanted it you will find it or you'll mm. get it as opposed to stumbling upon it not a huge amount of content yet but i mean there were a bunch of demos that you know were preloaded on the one we essex that we tried with it and a bunch more you could download so yeah yeah the, ad, a bit of fun. the added thing with the gear vr is that it does have a user interface that's just one of the pain points of the dk2 it's a developer kit so it doesn't have the nice well-rounded fleshed out experience with the user interfaces in the menus so that's definitely a selling point yeah and i guess with the oculus when that comes out yeah and that was also one of the things from e3 wasn't it we got the a little bit more information on the launch but not a huge amount not a huge amount the specs were released two three weeks ago so at least everyone got to see what was the build and the, the resolution the specs and what have you and then the, the required specs for your the pc requirements came out which was great to see it was great to see some hands-on experience in terms of some new features they showed they showed the oculus touch which was two new devices two new controllers which were very much like the razor hydra in terms of the 3d motion controls kind of like uh the wii nunchucks but That's specifically right. for hand tracking you got um, one for each hand right yeah 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 exactly I know Oculus acquired a company a wee while ago called Nimble VR. What I was surprised, I was expecting something around that. For anyone who doesn't know, Nimble VR was like a Kinect camera that sat on the Oculus so you could track hand movement without requiring a peripheral device. And a lot of people were assuming that was going to be bundled in the consumer model, which we didn't see. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with that tech now that they've acquired it, if where it comes out later mm. in the year. And even these year. handheld controllers are going to be an additional. They're not going to be standard with the product when it launches. Which no, they are additional. Microsoft have played the safe game in the VR world by pairing up with Oculus and Valve, HTC Valve VR. I don't know what they're doing in the HTC realm, but with the Oculus, every Oculus will come with an Xbox One controller. So they're providing hardware. Obviously, they're focusing on AR. Yep, that'll make it very attractive to developers, won't it, to get their games working because anyone that's got one is likely to be using it. You know, pretty good chance they're going to be using it with their Xbox One. Yeah, yeah, and they announced a, an interesting partnership with Windows. Well, not a partnership as such, but just a confirmation that Windows 10 is going to be very... VR supportive and you'll be able to stream mm-hmm. Oculus content over Windows 10 or Xbox One content over Windows 10 to an Oculus Rift and you'll have a theater mode that you can play your Xbox games on which is cool pretty cool it's not obviously VR for Xbox but it's a nice partnership and it's a more of a, a nice to have for the PC guys that would be going down that route anyway good so what are the other highlights from E3 this year being the the place for games one thing I thought was cool was we saw a lot of Kiwi content yeah. There were a lot of Kiwis there. It was cool. Main stage of Xbox during the ID, the indie developers, was a trailer for a game called Ashen, which is developed by a local company called Aurora. And they were featured on main stage during the, the Xbox Expo, which was great. There's also a game developed by a company called Frogshark called Sorty. I love which... these guys because one of them is one of my students. Oh, really? oh that is so uh, cool. She studies engineering. And her brother, who's the other one, Matt, is the guy who works for our charity, OMG Tech. He does all the coding for us. Well, I, so, that's cool. I didn't know I, 
nice I, as knowing both of these developers and working really closely with them. So super proud of those guys. Please tell them that I'm really looking forward to that game because that looks really cool. And what I love about that game is it's physics. It's momentum and it's physics and it's just a nerdy science game. Yeah, it's a dual stick controller and one, your left stick controls the body and the right stick controls your big sword um, or yeah. axe. So you have to swing one stick around and it's really fun to watch. You can tell it's going to be a really great multiplayer game because it's yeah. that whole kind of chess game in terms of, well, do I go in with my momentum? Is he going to block it? Or is, you know, if I, do I hit him in the right angle, it's, it looks really cool. It's, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, definitely, definitely looks good, and yeah, I think great that we're seeing Kiwis get some good good attention because yeah. there's, there's so much good gaming stuff that's going on here. Yeah, in New Zealand, and John John Key last week was talking about gaming and the importance of it. You know, going forward export wise, so government yeah. are finally sort of starting to. Uh, yeah. get their head around the export opportunities around the smart yeah, stuff so that's the, being done. The DayZ developer, who's a Kiwi, was also on stage during the PC conference. Just talking about DayZ development in general, and also one of his new concepts, I think it's called Ion. It's a new game that's developing. And that's, across, that's developed, he's got a studio down in Otago, or Dunedin, sorry. So it's a cross-venture between his Dunedin studio and studio in the UK. But that's exciting as well. So we had three or four Kiwis presenting at E3 mm. with main stage visibility, which was awesome. Yeah, that's brilliant. Just very, very quickly, the three main things that I got really excited about, Final Fantasy VII Remake on PS4. I was a big, big fan of Final Fantasy VII, so I'm very excited about that. Xbox One offered backwards compatibility, so um, opening it up for developers to ensure that their 360 titles will be backwards compatible on the Xbox One which is really cool to see. And the big thing for me, Fallout 4 was announced and Bethesda did a huge... They were the first cab off the ranks in terms of their briefings. It blew it out the park. Fallout 4 looks amazing. I'm booking two weeks annual leave when it comes out. (laughs) I cannot wait. It's going to be great. (laughs) (laughs) That's brilliant. LGG4. Now, Ross, you're quite a big fan of the LG products and, you know, the last couple of devices from them have actually been pretty good. The G3, we've got... You've been using that for a while. While, so you got that yeah. sitting there. You got the G4 next to it, which is getting launched here shortly. I think launch mm. price eleven hundred ninety nine, which puts it you know right up the top there. But yeah. in terms of its capabilities, it's a pretty strong device, isn't it? You got a nice big five point five inch screen. Yeah, it is. The one they've sent us has got the leather back, and I think the deal is it's real leather. I'm pretty Where, sure it's genuine leather. It's, it yeah. It smells like leather if that helps. Yeah, and it looks like leather. Well, if they've managed to do that using science and they've fooled <laughs> us, then um, you know, good good on them. But it's cool. Yeah. yeah I've been using the G3 for a while. I joked to Paul he's a bad influence because the first time I came on here, we reviewed the G3. And mm. then I went out and got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. But actually, I think it was a good purchase. Yeah, yeah. You know, it is. It's really nice. It's interesting to compare the two. Yeah, a little bit bigger, a little bit squarer, but still really comfortable. The back button, admittedly, when I first used it, I was like, oh, I don't know what I feel about this. But the fact that it completely minimizes the edge and uh, makes it just really thin and really smooth because it's it's unique pretty much in smartphones in that you don't have a volume rocker and a power button on the edge of the device at all but it's naturally where your index finger would normally rest so it does feel natural it's not it takes a wee while to get used to initially because you're you know used to side buttons or top buttons depending on what you're using but it sits naturally where your index finger would anyway but it's interesting to compare the two like i said it feels a little bit bigger weight wise it's a little bit lighter a little bit thinner a little bit squarer than I would have imagined, but the back's got a real nice curve to it. It feels 
really nice. I think it's definitely a progression. They haven't broken the mold, so to speak, but it's just, yeah. I think only when you have them side by side can you see the subtle differences. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's subtle. I don't think you would really know if you weren't familiar with LG products that, you know, they were different. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But overall, it's very nice. And yeah, like you said, the leather back, if it's not leather, then consider me fooled because that looks really, really nice. And quad HD screen, which they did in the G3 they did, as yeah. well, right? 1440 by 2560. Yeah, I haven't uh, dived into the software or, or the hardware too much, but it definitely feels like a, it's just refined. You know, it's not breaking the mold too much, but which is fair enough because it's, you know, the LG G3 was one of the first UHD screens on the market, um, the 1440, and uh, you know that's definitely where a lot of the newer phones are hitting as you know the status quo. So if they got there early, then I'm more than happy for the G4 to stay the same. It's uh, it's a beautiful screen. Mm. It, now I'm curious about the cameras because we just seem to all this generation of phones that we've seen coming through in the last sort of six to nine months have definitely been a step up. Yeah, yeah, a fair bit on the previous generation, particularly in those low light situations. So the G4's got a 16 megapixel camera with an f 1.8 lens, and in theory that should give some, you know, some fairly reasonable results in those in the low light situations, like we've seen from the latest iPhones, from the latest Huawei P8, the Galaxy S6, etc. I mean, they're all a step up. There is some variance between them. So I'll be keen to have a little bit of a test on that. Haven't had a chance yet. but You know um, what? I really want to check, and I've got to show you this. Okay. This is quite funny. So on the G3, you've got this little, and I'm sorry for, for doing this for your audio, but this little slider controls the, uh, the contrast. So you can make yourself pretty. Oh, look how pretty you are on that. That yeah. was a level eight that took. So, yeah, <laughs> so this is definitely a before and after. So before, you can see all my stubble and everything and all my imperfections, but you slide it over, and then my forehead just looks absolutely amazing. Wow. I don't know what they call it on the G3, but it's... Technology uh, in action. It's yeah. funny, because I've been... I showed, showed the phone off in the office a wee while ago, and the one thing that everyone loved was that slider. They didn't care about anything else like oh my god i look gorgeous and, yeah, it's yeah. what the rest of us do post-processing in instagram <laughs> with 16 <laughs> filters well that's a thing now i've got i've got less photoshoppy mm. apps on my phone because i don't need them um you got an eight megapixel front camera and this is interesting they're advertising the light trail effect which there was something similar on huawei's p8 and i kind of thought oh this is a bit of a gimmick that no one else is doing um, but um, but LG's doing it too, so maybe Huawei set a bit of a trend there. So yep, and 5.5 inch IPS quantum display they're calling it. Um, the display actually looks pretty good. It does, yeah, it yeah. really does. Yeah, not a bad handset overall. So I'll be trying it out over the next little while, and we might share a little bit more feedback. But yeah, first impressions are pretty good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. Now other gadgets. What else have we got lying around here? There's a bit of a, a speaker. There. What's that? That's the roll from UE or Ultimate Ears. I like this. <laughs> I like that. I'm all about form factor and how things feel, and this just feels so different. So it's like a little disc. And what I like about it, it's got a fabric cover and the buttons, the volume buttons are just so lovely to push. They're big and they're sewn on and it, it sounds good. We've tested it. Yeah. Um, and it's got a little hook so you can hang it from places. You can attach it to the front frame of your bicycle. It's waterproof down to one meter for 30 minutes, which is helpful in a rain shower or, you know, drop it in the pool. And it's just so different looking to any other speaker that I've seen. And, and I like 
the way it feels. And I know that sounds crazy, but us girls, we like how things feel. And I would buy this just on on its touch. Yeah, you can definitely, I mean, this looks like the little clip-on thing. Stick that on your backpack and go down to the beach and you're sorted. Yeah, I mean, and it is the sort of thing you can feel relaxed to take to the beach. In fact, in some of their demo videos they've been throwing around, one of them had someone had it attached to the front of his kayak, IPX7 rated, so it can actually be underwater for up to 30 minutes, yeah. uh, up to a metre deep, without suffering any ill consequences, supposedly. Yeah. And to go back to what you are saying, the form factor on this is cool. There's no visible buttons or mm. actual, there's no even visible writing, except for a big plus and minus that's stitched on the front speaker, which obviously touched the, the, the volume controls are operated from there, which is cool. It's really cool. It's really nice and sleek and tidy. There's nowhere that, you know, sand or anything is going to get into it. You could, it feels sturdy. You could just literally throw this in your backpack and, you know, wouldn't think twice. Yeah, yeah it's cool. a bit It's a bit lighter than most of the other UE speakers, so. Mm. Oh, there we go. Yeah, the USB what did I call, thing. Did I call it the scroll before? It's the roll, anyway, the UE roll. Um, it looks like a little discus. Have you ever had to throw discus It does. It, it does. It looks like does a look just like a discus. I can't help discus. but think, just because of the color, it looks like the Lynx Body it is. It's grey with orange stripes. Yeah. And there'll be different colours available, of course, as they always do with the Mateus products. But they seem to sell just truckloads. I mean, we've got mm. some of their other speakers uh, kicking around here as well, the UE Boom and the UE Mega Boom. And, I mean, they're, just, they're well designed. There's actually an app that goes on your phone as well, so you can mm. control them. You can set it up to be your alarm in the morning from your phone. And the software's smart enough that if, for some reason, it can't reach the speaker... Uh, there's a disconnect, then your alarm, that alarm soft from the app yeah. will still fire off on your phone, things like that. So Yeah, it's been cool to see what they've nice. been doing with the UE brand. So, I mean, I, I use Alderman Ears for um, for my band. I've got custom-molded monitors, which are UE, which is what the intent, the, the brand yeah, came from, from professional yeah. audio. Yeah. Uh, and then Logitech acquired a brand maybe four or five, maybe five or six years ago. So it's been great to see what they've done with that brand. You know, there was a lot of professional audio dudes that were a bit worried, you know, it was a big legacy behind it. So mm. it's cool. They've done some really cool stuff. And the products they've, they've brought out, you know, they're, they're unique. And yeah, this little disc thing is pretty cool. Yeah, and the other thing you can do, and they've apparently got a software, firmware updates or software updates that they're going to be able to push out to the devices from your phone in the future. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but currently you can link two of them together. But the update that's that's coming later this year is going to allow you think link up to oh, ten wow. of them, so you could be cool. you know in a scenario where you actually and these go pretty loud, especially the mega boom. Yeah. You may have visited um, that once here. <laughs> <laughs> we had to close the door, um, but the yeah, you imagine you know ten of these things going or half a dozen of them going. Yeah, um, cool. I mean, you got a pretty portable party, you know, yeah. wherever and whenever. And they look um, pretty indestructible. And why would you mm. want a portable speaker? It's because you're outside. It's because you're at a party. It's because you're at the beach. You want something that isn't going to get damaged. And they look like they would last outside in that Mm. sort of environment. Yeah. So, I mean, they very much play on that sort of, you know, social and just use them and abuse them type Mm. thing. You know, I'm sure there are devices that will give a higher fidelity sound but you might not be taking those with you everywhere like these. So, yeah, I think they've, they've right. done reasonably well. Sorry to come back to the, uh, the He's G4. He's making himself pretty I again just, on the phone. just finally got <laughs> to the camera. I got to the camera app, and it does have the little beautifier thing. Which is cool. so, okay, this yeah. is good to know. That's Upgrade, to know. and you'll still be beautiful. <laughs> 
artificially. Now, what else we got here? We've got the Sony Smartwatch 3 Steel. Now, I think I talked about this way back in January at uh, CES in Vegas when that was the first place they revealed the smartwatch tree and, and especially the steel got a first hands-on. Now, these have just arrived recently. I haven't got around to getting the band changed because someone took some of, the, some of the links out, so it's too small to fit on my wrist at the moment. I see the only person it fits on is me. That's handy, isn't it? <laughs> uh, so you're going to be walking out with it tonight, <laughs> are you, Michelle? Yeah, so I haven't had as extended use on it as I should, but I will get the extra links put in the band so I can give it a little bit more of a run. But, Ross, you've been quite a user of Android Wear devices recently, yeah. in particular the LG that you're wearing now. Yeah, so I've got the LG G Watch, and it's it's really the, the Sony one's nice. I It doesn't feel as snappy in terms of the actual Android Wear. I'm not quite sure. It's from what I can tell, it is stock, so it, it's not as snappy or as responsive as other ones that I've used in terms of the uh, the the G or the GR. But the form factor is nice, and in fact, actually, I just noticed it's got the additional button on the side, which is cool. The form factor is nice, and that's what I'm really excited about with these reiterations in the second and third gen items that are coming out for Android Wear, because you know the form factor, the watch. You know, we, we stopped using watches when smartphones came out. So in terms of it being reintroduced as a product, it's it's it needs to be seen as a as a fashion item as well as a functional item. So I like my G Watch is a big black square thing on my wrist. It's not a watch. It's a it's a functional piece of item that just happens to be a watch. So the form factor on this, in terms of the bands and the design and the um, the aesthetics, is definitely there in terms of you know this looks like a nice watch and it's android wear yeah i mean when I, that was it jumped out at me at cs because it actually it looks so nice it's got that nice sort of steel band on it um yes it's big and big and chunky like most men's watches are so not quite as dainty maybe as what you feel like for, i'm always Michelle. complaining about the same thing every time we review a smartwatch on here <laughs> and that why didn't somebody make it one for girls come on but that's exactly what i mean it's 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 a it's a fashion accessory as well as a functional piece of equipment so while yes there are technical limitations in terms of the size of what these things have to be it needs to be treated as a fashion item so yeah. it needs to be well if it's not appealing or if it's not you know accessorizing then there's going to be a large demographic or users yeah. that simply aren't going to use it yeah. it's know? all the women hey we make all the purchasing decisions out there so come on somebody get off there <laughs> and you know i mean i looked at the apple watch and it's still quite clunky even the female version like we need a different form factor i just feel like we're putting a bulky thing on a strap and everybody's like hey look at this new smartwatch but i think it's time to think outside the box and think about a new way of designing these things. But well, there's still I do some like miniaturization to happen, isn't there? Yeah. There's still some work to be done in the technology to shrink it. Shrink and also, it down. just what wearable devices are going to be actually providing. You know, we're, while we got to a point where it was like, yeah, great, first gen, blah, 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 then we started introducing GPS, heart rate monitors. Obviously, they need to be miniaturized in terms of, you know, bits and pieces and bells and whistles. So I don't think we've got there in terms of finalizing what a wearable tech platform will provide. But we still seem very old school in that we just seem to have a a strap that is, its only function is a strap just to hold it on and a block which contains the electronics. And I just want to see somebody incorporate electronics into the strap so that you can take some electronics. We've got one of those lying around here. Um, The Microsoft one's got a little bit of stuff in there. But uh, But we're not seeing more of that. I feel like with every smartwatch we see it's still clunky 
electronics with a, mm. a strap that has no function other than mm. to hold things mm. on. And I'd love to see more of the tech integrated into the whole structure. Yeah, that's interesting in terms of creating a watch or just emulating a watch. It's always going to be a watch. Mm. You're right, though. There's going to be that aha moment where all of a sudden we understand a unique device, a strap connected to your wrist can actually perform additional functionality in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, that's where I get excited about getting it outside of the consumer realm and into the industrial realm yeah. in terms of, well, what about blood sugar levels, glucose, this, that, the actual implications of what you can do as a wearable device. That's endless. That's that's exciting. Um, where, how that would translate to a consumer device, I have no idea. But Glucowatch is a product well, that was patented, I think, in 1989. And the really? reason why it was pulled off the market is because the electric shock it gave you to get your glucose monitor would annoy people enough that they wouldn't wear it. Well, I think there's a there would be some people that would have differing opinions on that. I would imagine. Let's but it's tr- a product that tried and failed, and it was a Glucowatch. And so yeah, okay. I think now if we reinvent that, the the battery technology has got much better. That you wouldn't need as much current to pull off because we've got you know better sensors so mm, mm, i think we'll be seeing that sort of stuff pretty soon yep that's cool so yeah this now i think the price is coming in here in new zealand maybe around 469 it's 399 for the non-steel one so it's not a huge step up for no, one be- that looks a whole lot better i think yeah it does um, look good. in terms of a nice wearable product compared to the yeah there's obviously plenty of sporty you know watches and that are you know aimed more at fitness but in terms of something that looks nice to wear i think that's a pretty reasonable price point interestingly i was looking yesterday at the price for the apple's steel band for their watches and it's 450 us now this is a bit of a unique design and you don't have you know it's, it's easy to add and remove what do you call the little segments to the to the strap links links that's the word that's i'm it. looking for <laughs> disappeared and there's is you know definitely i think probably a step up from what anyone else is doing but you know price wise yeah, you're buying the Sony Smartwatch 3 Steel for you know, less than the price just of that, that band. So yeah. in those regards, it's, yeah. um, it looks it's not great, bad and it doesn't all. look like a smartwatch, you know? No, it's it doesn't. actually, you could look at that on somebody's wrist and not know whether it's a yeah. normal or a smartwatch. I mean, you can watch. see what I've done. I, I replaced the plastic um, strap of my G watch to make it look a little bit more dressy. But mm. when you compare the two yeah. in terms of function, like style. The steel one's nice. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cool. All right, that's through all of our all of the gadgets that we've got. Now there are a couple of other interesting stories. One which we'll cover off very very quickly uh, because I haven't didn't get a chance to chat with Samsung about this today. But uh, Samsung have been in the news a little bit for a bit of a security problem with the S6 and some of their other smartphones. It seems like there's a bit of a risk if you've got a samsung device uh, definitely the s6 but it seems as though this covers off uh, across a range of their devices in that the swift key module that's that comes in their phones is set so it will automatically update and the way in which it does that isn't very secure so if you were on for instance a public wi-fi where someone was sort of you know, aware of this issue had set themselves up in the right way they could push dodgy malware basically onto your uh, onto your S6 or onto another phone. Yeah, and this was this was found out by a research company uh, that uh, yeah called Now Secure. So they were able to, like you just said, seize control of of various bits and pieces of the phone in terms of camera and microphone and, and intercept incoming and outgoing calls and messages and installed apps. Yeah, and I guess that you know we we have we chat you know every now and then it comes up around how Android sits. 
security-wise compared to sort of iOS, BlackBerry, mm. pretty much every other you know platform, you know, Windows Phone, so on. And but this to me seems like about the biggest issue that we've kind of ever seen. It's mm. it's pretty scary. Yeah, because it's inbuilt. It's SwiftKey is with all Samsung products, isn't it? So the question is, how quickly are they going to address it and be able to push this out? And how seriously are they taking it? And the Sparks and the Vodafones of this world, who you know distribute their handsets and usually have to sign off those um, those those software updates. Yeah, and I mean, with the way that Android's developed, the software updates aren't exactly a quick process either, depending on your region. So that's yeah, it's definitely cause for alarm. It'll be interesting to see how like, yeah, how quickly they respond. So we'll try and get a little bit more information on this one, but it is uh, it's a bit concerning at the moment, and and certainly I think there are some people out there that will be being very cautious in how they use their um, their phones over the next little while. Now, realistically, there's probably not going to be you know huge number of issues, but if you were worried about your security and this happened to you, it might not be a nice place to uh, to be. No, no, it's definitely one of those things. That's from the, from the sounds of it, a research company was able to do this, so yeah. a more deviantly minded person would be able to do that as well. Mm. Not, not not to say that it's going to ha- happen when you walk out the door tomorrow, but it, you're certainly open to the possibility now drone testing seems like new zealand's becoming the place for uh, for testing drones and good we should get on it now i mean with the sea prize being announced by callahan and you know we really do have the best landscape i think for it we we don't have big tall skyscrapers or objects to crash into and we don't have the legislation in place right now that stops any of this with faa guidelines so i really think new zealand government should get on this and be like let's make new zealand the drone testing hub so that everybody into drones comes here to test it i just think we have the best country the best landscape and this is a growing tech why aren't we you know at the forefront of this yeah it's definitely a a huge opportunity i remember reading uh, a wee while ago about uh, drone testers having a lot of problems trying to test in 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 america to the point where once they finally got approval they'd already moved on from the technology so it was uh it was a bit of a redundant process and it was an extremely frustrating one so if we have a an industry that is a bit more uh, easier to negotiate in terms of those regulations then yeah it's a it's it's an untapped market essentially yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's exciting what we've seen so far, and looking back over, you know, different ones we've heard of drone trials in um, forestry management, Scion in in Rotorua, where my father used to work many years ago. Yeah, it's one one of the, one of the companies that's been uh, been getting in there and uh, and doing it, and they were they teamed up with Aeronavics, who were based in Raglan and recently went through a uh, a little crowd funding um, round of capital raising Um, so that was one of them the video that was uh, shared reasonably broadly this weekend in the the Herald was from courier company was it Flyway Fastway 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 couriers yeah and that was quite cool that they had you know they they, you know most of these things you don't hear or see much about maybe something gets reported but they've made made the effort to sort of capture it and uh, and and share the video so they've made a little bit of an effort there you know to clue us clue us in on what was happening and I thought that one was a great example because they were comparing what a drone could do versus delivering the same package via road and in this case a drone was what delivering it in uh, in about five minutes versus sort of you know twenty minutes right. on the road. Now still some boxes that weren't quite ticked in terms of 
you know, a normal courier driver is going to come inside and, you know, get approval to, you know, take that package and then they're going to take it inside and deliver it properly at the other the other end. But, um, but from yeah. an environmental footprint problem, you know, it's one less courier van on the road. It's faster. It's, I mean, I just think it's a great thing. Yes, we have to set up some systems into how do you drop off packages and collect them. But I think that's a simple track system. If you can text the secretary and be like, hey, it's coming. You know, somebody has an app saying, come pick up this package. It seems quite straightforward. And the environmental benefits, I think, could be huge. Yeah, and even just the, the, the return for an investment in this process once you like you said once it's all been fleshed out and certain things have been you know figured out you like you said you know you, you've got a 20 minute courier delivery that has vehicles emissions fuel um fte resource comparing that to something that takes minutes and it's all automated i mean it's a yeah. it's a no-brainer again, and the equipment that's... pays for itself quickly doesn't it yeah. i mean you think of the value of the vehicles that courier yeah. drivers are driving around yeah. i mean you know average what's a fifty thousand dollar van what's it gonna you know what's it gonna cost for uh for a drone, yeah. So um, yeah, you return. It's pretty easy to justify whatever is. the cost yeah. is because it's going to be covered. Yeah. Back to that test bed. I mean, if you talk about delivering through cities, Auckland, Wellington, Christchurch, we're all great. We don't have these high-rise buildings, and it's easy to test navigation and self-navigation. I think in New Zealand. So I really hope that we can get you know become the test bed where everybody comes and tests out the software here, and then be known as sort of the drone testing place. That would be very cool. That's it, great. So, yeah, so some great stuff going on. And, yeah, I, I certainly hope that it's, you know, that New Zealand, more New Zealand companies sort of get, get in on this. What Aeronavix is, is, mm-hmm. is doing is, is quite cool. And, um, yeah, just so, mostly so I can follow what they're doing, I, you know, try and, and so I can get a little bit involved with the crowdfunding stuff that uh, Snowball uh, effect have been doing. I, I jumped in with a you know a, a toe in the water uh, just to see see how that goes. So yeah. um, keep an eye on the Callahan Sea Prize. I mean, Callahan Innovation are running mm. the Sea Prize, which is you know upgrading drone capabilities. And I I really think the results from that competition, which comes out in a couple of weeks, is going to showcase what New Zealanders can do and what the world can see New Zealand does in drone technology for advancing it for all sorts of different features. Absolutely, and we're I think we you know we're pretty lucky in terms of what. Um, yeah, having having the work that Callahan are doing in terms of getting behind so many uh, so many cool things that are, I think have a good flow on effect to our economy, right? Definitely. So, I mean, you know, Dr. Mary Quinn, she's had a lot of sticks. She's come in, but I really think she's changed a lot of things at Callahan Innovation. So, give her a chance. She's an awesome woman, and she's really doing some cool stuff and cool tech. Agreed. Well, I think that's uh, just about wraps up our agenda for this week. So before we finish up, where do we track you guys on online, Ross? Uh, if you go to Ross McD, R-O-S-S-M-C-D.com, uh, that redirects to my Twitter. You can follow and say hi. Cool. You can just Google Nano Girl and I'll turn up in pretty much all your results. So find me there. And any interesting projects that uh, you guys are working on? Anything you want to share? Or is it all secret squirrel at the moment? I know you're always working away on something, both of you. I just I've been holed up uh, playing my Oculus Rift. To be honest, <laughs> I haven't really been doing much. E three was a was a blur. Just lots of early mornings to get all the news, and yeah, just uh, yeah, I just haven't haven't been doing much. Just playing a lot of video games, but that's just that's part of the course for me, to be honest. And Michelle, you just got back from the US. How was that trip? Yeah, it was good. I was on the um, tripartite summit 
So um, LA, Guangzhou and Auckland mayors came together and we did a bit of a tech summit and a game summit and a film and TV summit trying to work out how we can combine the industries. It was great. Um, sad I had to leave the day before E3 opened. I was a little bit gutted that I missed <laughs> I that. Um, but, you know, just great to see what Kiwis are doing in the States with tech and how we can, you know, build that bridge to be a stronger bridge between the two countries. I feel your pain. My band played a music festival in LA three and a half weeks before E3. And I was like, oh, why couldn't you book it for yeah. next month? next year yeah oh well that's the way these things often often fall well i'll be i'll be up there this this week and uh spending a little bit of time seeing what's happening on the automotive side of things so uh we'll report back uh on next week's episode and uh yeah maybe have one or two uh one or two insights there meeting with ford's futurist uh, on Thursday, that's a cool job. Too. I want to be a futurist because nobody can is. prove you wrong. Yes. No, that's it. Because you're not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's like being a weather forecaster. <laughs> well, you can get proved wrong a bit further down the track, but I mean, I think mostly these people are sort of looking at. You know, they're, they're not always about fully predicting the future, but I guess sort of looking at the varying things and then you know trying to turn those companies to look at. Well, we know X, Y, Z is going to be heading in that direction, and another thing's heading in that direction. So. Based on that, what should we be doing as a company? So I'll be curious to see what uh, you know, what things Ford has decided is happening in the future, and what that means for them as a business, and mm. um, if they've clicked onto the fact that a lot of us might not be driving any cars in, in ten or fifteen years when uh, when they're all driving themselves, and we don't need as many vehicles. Yeah, presumably they're uh, they're well ahead of our our thinking on on such matters, and uh, have it all under control. Um, yeah, it'd be great yeah. to hear. What, and like you said, a futurist is such a cool job title. I I went to a presentation from, I can't remember his name, but he was a head of in- innovation for Hillary Clinton when she was Secretary of State. And he was a fascinating guy, the insights that he had. And he saw New Zealand as such a positive place because of our innovations in terms of agriculture and industry. So, yeah, fut- I am very, very keen to hear what the Ford futurist has to say. Mm. Well, I mean, I think that as technologists, it's it's actually a role for all of us to be wearing that future mm. futurist hat at times. And we mm. need to be looking and thinking about where things are going and, you know, informing others and, and, and sharing opinions on, on where it's going. Because if we're not talking about where it's all heading, um, you know, who's who's going to be doing that? You can't leave it just to those that have got the futurist title because there's not too many of them and we don't hear from them directly very often so um, um, yeah I'm, I'm certainly looking f- looking forward to it and we'll we'll hopefully uh, yeah learn one or two things to uh, to talk about on the next episode cool cool all right well that's us thanks uh, thanks guys we'll uh, we'll look forward to catching you again on other episodes um, you can track us down NZ Tech Podcast at nztechpodcast.com across Twitter and the like and um, podcasts.co.nz if you're looking for something else to listen to. Uh, in fact, we might come back from uh, from this trip with, we're still working on it, but maybe a combined tech and uh, motoring podcast episode. So uh, cool. we, we will see what happens. Um, but that's it for us. Thanks, everyone. See you next week. Cool. Bye. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.